it was uh, the beginning of a new year and everyone was saying happy new year to me and I thought I was going to be going to jail for the new year because of what happened. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by Katrina Hobbs, uh, who I've actually known for quite some time. So I've got an unfair advantage here on asking good questions. And my goal here is to kind of get inside Katrina's head and understand how she thinks. She comes from a legacy of kingdom business. So I kind of want to get in there. I want to, I want to, I want to draw out some real keys for you, our listeners. So welcome, Katrina. Let me throw the first question to you. Just tell us uh, a bit about you know your businesses because they're broad, they're varied, they're, they're kind of connected, but they're broad and varied. So why don't you give us the brief on exactly the businesses that you're running today? Sure, thanks, Wes, and it's a pleasure being here. Our businesses are very much agricultural, but being agricultural, we produce food. So therefore, we're also food production businesses. So we have a fairly vertically integrated business model where we're growing grain, which feeds into our feed mill. We also purchase in grain, but feeds into a feed mill that feeds certified organic chickens. And then we have a brand in the supermarkets with our chickens, that's Inglewood Organic Chickens. And we've just recently purchased a new site in Toowoomba with the hope to do a lot more food production. Yeah, so um, so so you've got a chicken abattoir, you've got a you've got a feed lot, you've got a distribution center. Uh, you, I think there are some other little businesses that kind of hang on the side, right? There's a there's a there's a cattle business, there's a there's a cucumber growing business, like, yes. and so you're you're basically just trying to vertically integrate them all. Um, give, yes. give us just so that we understand. Give us the scope of the size of the business. You, you can do revenue. You don't have to do revenue. Like, um, just try and give us a handle on maybe maybe the headcount across all of the businesses. Like, where are you sitting today? Yeah, so we've got multi sites. So uh, at the different sites, we've got different staffing needs. But across the group, there's approximately two hundred and fifty staff members in the various business entities. I love it. Um, now, now tell me, I want to move to like the, the kingdom business stuff, right? So uh, we'll get into some of the challenges and the struggles that you've had, I'm sure. Um, but I kind of want you to lead off with like, what's a time running a business with the Lord that he absolutely blew your socks off? Like, have you got a story around a time that you were just gobsmacked uh, with, with his faithfulness or just something like that? Multiple stories. I think... There's two two main themes here. So theme number one is when you're in big trouble and God comes through for you. And theme number two is when you're launching out, when you're stepping out into new things. And I've found that God's just done more than I could ever ask or imagine. So two fairly recent examples was, let's start with the first one, when I was in trouble we actually had an incident on the farm that involved a vehicle and staff not doing the right thing. And there were five, five uh, teenagers in the vehicle that were doing chicken catching. And I think you know where this is heading. And that vehicle rolled. And, um, you know, just the feeling that you get as an employer when, you know, you get a phone call from your general manager, the ambulance is on site, the police are on site, everyone's on site. And your heart breaks for the people. Your heart breaks not just for the people involved, but the families involved. Your heart breaks for the management trying to deal with it. And then there's always that responsibility thing that comes upon us as employers. And um, I, it was uh, the beginning of a new year and everyone was saying Happy New Year to me and I thought I was going to be going to jail for the new year because of what happened. But uh, God was kind to us and even though that incident was really scary, uh, we were able to walk through that process and, um, you know, yeah, we're just really thankful for the outcome that... Um, you know, I, I'm not in jail, clearly. Um, we're able to rectify things. But that's the scary side of being in business. You just never know what's around the corner. And it wasn't particularly 
my doing. Like I wasn't even on the farm. I had staff there that were probably not supervising as well as they need to. But at the end of the day, we carry that responsibility as business owners. So that was a big one. But the other one is when launching out, and there's been multiple times when we know that God's calling us into something new. And I haven't been able to guess in some regard, the depth of what he's taking us into. So we've just recently purchased a new site, which is currently doing storage and distribution for our business group and for customers, external customers. And I honestly, this the Lord put on my heart that this site was, was a good site to look at. And we started to do that. It took 12 months. There were many ups and downs. We drove past this site. I would park out the front of the site. I'd pray over it. I was walking around and just in my spirit, my husband and I both were were convinced by this stage that this was for us and the deal fell over and you're just absolutely shocked. You just don't know what that means. In fact, the deal fell over twice, but it really hurt the, the second time when it fell over because we actually, yeah, we, we had an agreement and it just wasn't, it, it just didn't gel. And, and then there was another party and we were told that we were unsuccessful and it was all over. So I remember just saying to the Lord, well, you know, did I hear wrong? Uh, I just know you've got a purpose and a plan for this site and there was the disappointment and what next. But in it, I was able to find the Lord and just continue to bless the site because I just knew that God had a purpose and a plan for the site. So I blessed the new owners and I blessed, you know, what was happening. And the long and the short of it is, is a few months later, that subsequent deal fell over and the party came back and started talking to us and we were able to negotiate our own terms. And once again, the God of exceedingly abundant more than we can ask or imagine came through for us. I love it because they needed you more the second time round than the, you know you needed them at the start and then they needed you. So that would be a big change. Hey, sorry to butt in. We're going to get back to the show in a minute. But I just wanted to let you know that I was talking to my mum the other day and she thinks this show is excellent. And she was surprised to find out that you're probably not subscribed. So for me and my mum, hit the subscribe button and hit the bell button please. All right, let's get back to the show. I want to go a little bit deeper if I can. I want to go back to the first story, right? So a couple of young guys are being young guys and they've rolled a ute on the farm. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, our first thought is, right, systems, processes, what do we do do to make sure this doesn't happen again? But I guess the threat is still there of, you know, industrial manslaughter is this new thing. Like, like, so, so I guess, I, I want to, I, would, I don't want to skip over this for the sake of our wonderful listeners. Like what, give us some handles on how you process that personally. What, what was that spiritual fight? Like, how did you, what did it mean for Katrina in the moment? What was she doing behind closed doors that we can glean from? Mm, yeah, it was very emotional for me. And I think when something happens to your staff, it's probably the most emotional situation that can come upon you in your business quite often because there's a human element there's that personal element and I mean at the end of the day we're all people I I was devastated my heart was breaking and I guess fear does come in at that point and the only way that I know to walk through these circumstances is to come to the Lord and to come to him in your brokenness and to voice your concerns and, you know, there was the emotions, the human emotions that come through that, but calling into the Lord. But the pressure got so much for me in that situation. I was actually on one of our other businesses at the time in another location and, um, you know, even getting back to the site to try and help things through was a bit of a drama. But just before I left, I just knew that the weight was too heavy for me. So I rang an intercessor who prays for me in our business and uh, I just said, look, I'm actually really struggling here. And that really did well, uh, did, did my soul well because he really came beside me and prayed and encouraged me and just held me up in that time when I was feeling like I couldn't 
couldn't continue. Like it just hits you. You just wonder why you go through all of this some days. It really hits you. And, you know, I think the enemy loves that space because he wants you to second guess your assignment. He wants you to second guess your call. He wants you to be uh, shrinking back in fear. And he wants you to feel like you're going to be beaten. And I think our regulatory system can make us feel like that sometimes too. And sometimes we take a few hits from that. But the, the God of the impossible was able to help us walk through that. And we had reasonable processes and reasonable investigations and discussions with, you know, the powers that be that ended up being able to be resolved. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured. Yes, there were work cover claims, but we were able to work through all of those, meet our obligations and um, walk through. But I did struggle a lot with trying to encourage the team because it really, really affected those that were in leadership as well. And the truth is it hurts them more than I think me in a lot of ways because not everyone on my team has that foundation of Christ that they can go back to. So that has taken its toll. You know, you do your best to, to bring something of, of Christ into the situation, but the human element of any business is, is just the clunky element. It's one that you can't always control. You can only be who you can be, look to the Lord to, to change hearts, minds, or to help people on that journey or the process. I hope that answered yeah, it's a, what, what you're looking for. They're, they're phenomenal uh, answers and stories. And, and as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking through, okay, because I, I know our listeners, right? And you've, you've been that listener that's kind of gleaning advice. So have I my whole life. And so I'm listening... I'm listening to your story, and, and I want, but I want to piece something together for them that I think something that you said that was that you skipped past that I think would be a conversation inside our listeners' head is that moment when you realise that you can't do it and you went to an intercessor. Mm -hmm. I can imagine in that moment that the devil's given you a hell of a time. You're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You need to go to an intercessor because you don't have it together. The world's going to look like I don't have it together. Like, was any of that going on inside your head at the moment? Because I can oh. imagine that that's that's what pressure says we should be able to handle this you know with yeah. god all things are possible and yet you just said that you couldn't and you were quite willing to go to an intercessor to carry it with you so mm -hmm. you're obviously self-aware enough to know that getting help is not a problem but there are still there are still some people that wouldn't be able to handle that they think they have to do it all themselves so can mm -hmm. you just talk into that for a few seconds yeah absolutely and it made such a difference to me when I did reach out. But I think the moment that showed me that I needed help was it was New Year's Day and the incident happened the night before and, you know, you have a restless night's sleep. I'm up early in the morning, you know, crying out to the Lord. And uh, the kids came out and, you know, we're in a family setting because it's a public holiday and there was a bit of excitement and someone yelled out, Happy New Year, and I burst into tears. And I think sometimes at home is where the stress gets to us most. And I think that's part of being in business and part of being human and home is a safe place. But if we don't deal with these things, it can destruct our home as well. So there was a real moment of humility, I think, that I needed to embrace with the family and just say, I'm not feeling okay. And I'm worried about these things. And I explained to the children who are a bit older, they're not, they're not young, they're in their teen years and sort of that older child uh, range, uh, 11, 12. And I explained to them why I was grieving and what I was worried about. And I even went to the, the detail to tell them I was actually concerned that the laws that they are, that even though I didn't cause this accident and we do what we can, and there was probably a bit of recklessness or whatever, I could go to jail, which was a bit of a wake-up, I guess, for all of us. And the kids were just sort of like, oh, well, what will happen then? Um, and just in that moment, and I think sometimes in our worst moments, we need to think about what's the worst thing that could happen. And I said, well, I'll enrol in a, a master's degree. I'll go to Christian Heritage College and I'll do some more business training 
and you know and I, I started listing off these things I was going to do from jail um, and I said I'm going to miss the home um, connection but you know I think God's going to help us through this and um, it was almost I, I said obviously we hope that that won't happen <laughs> um, but I had a plan and the kids it, they took courage in the fact that I had a plan as well. And even I think my husband, it, it helped him that we had a plan. There was sort of some courage to go through whatever it meant for our family. But then um, when I reached out to the, it, it, it did help me feel better, but I went uh, away, I went off by myself and I rang the intercessor after that talk. And um, I was very teary and I just said, look, I'm, I'm really struggling. Um, this is what I've told the kids. This is what I'm worried about. And um, they prayed with me and gave me some words of encouragement and all of the rest. But that's when the, the spirit just started to lift and I was able to walk through it with um, even faith that God was going to work things out. And uh, the amazing thing is, is that what I feared didn't happen, which is so often the case. And God had shown grace and reasonableness and it had turned out that we had done a lot more than I thought we had done. Um, you know, um, yeah, there, there wasn't anything um, that was going to cause major pain. But in that moment, I think your mind can run away with yourself as well. And interestingly, I allowed my mind to also run away with the solution to the potential problems. And I don't know whether that's good or bad, but it helped me in that moment. And the Lord did too. <laughs> what I really like about that story involving the kids, and you said they're a bit older, but I don't think it would have mattered even if they were younger. You just might not have shared all of it with if they were a little bit mm -hmm. younger. But Deuteronomy 6 to 9 basically lays out, you know, an element of, of how we're to do life at home. And and through there, it says in multiple different ways, you need to bring your kids on the journey. And, and, it, and, mm -hmm. it, and it goes on to be explicit as to say, your kids need to have a supernatural experience at home of their own, yeah. because that's what they're going to hang on to, to be able to want to go and have one when they become an adult and, and with their mm -hmm. kids. And, and so smart from God, right? Because then it becomes so tangible. And so your kids got to carry some of the weight of the situation without mm -hmm. carrying all of it. But they also got to see the faithfulness of God through that journey. And yeah. and I think that's such a wonderful handle for them to get, right? Because they'll never forget it. That they'll they'll never yeah. forget seeing that the Lord came through for them as, you know, was yeah. was for their mum and dad, but for them, you know, as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. Um and uh you know, and, and it's so much better to have a supernatural experience like that in your own home than hang on to Bethel's latest supernatural story from America. I mean, they're not better or worse, but if you're hanging on to somebody else's and you haven't quite tangibly caught your own, it's like, it's just not as powerful. So I think that's, that's wonderful for your kids. And if I can expand on that story and the kids, there's two other sort of stories that link in here so one was going home so I was traveling from our farms in Bundaberg back to Inglewood at that time to get back and we broke down <laughs> and you're just like what else could go wrong tell me that's, and it was that's not me. that's not the aeroplane right that's no it wasn't the aeroplane this time that was I you was were driving, driving this time okay good yeah and, and I had to get the car back and drive straight out and and Adrian was staying behind uh, to do what we had to do up there. I had to change all my plans and I was driving with two of the kids and we broke down and you're just like, oh my goodness, what next could happen? And, um, you know, because it's a big rush to get back and uh, we, we thought we had workplace health and safety turning up the next morning. As it turns out, they didn't even turn up. They just gave me a phone call. But anyway, that that's another miracle that happened along the way that, that, that they just weren't, I just weren't worried about things like I thought they would be. But anyway, um, we broke down and I called out to a friend I knew and said, I am stuck near Kingaroy and I knew they used to be pastor in the town. Do you know anyone? And he said, actually, and he found a guy to come and pick us up. And he was an ex-cop. And um, he was really kind to me and my daughters because obviously a little bit concerned out the middle of nowhere. And he picked us up and 
he was just lovely, but he was God's person for us too, because obviously I was stressed still and trying to get back and being an ex-cop, he just sat with me and encouraged me and even talked to me about process and the law and his perspective on the law and whether we broke a law or didn't break a law. And even that, even breaking down had a purpose. And uh, we managed to get the car fixed. There was another Christian guy that came and fixed our car and we got going on the road that night. So God just came through for me like you could never imagine. And, um, you know, I'm just really thankful. And the kids saw that. The kids saw that journey and they were with me, some of them anyway, when we broke down and and the other kids were hearing me on the phone to my husband going, we've broken down. Uh, But then also to take it to the second story of where I was saying that God surprised me and the acquisition of a new business, a new property, the kids were on that journey as well. So it was en route to the school, this particular site. And I shared with them quite early that we were actually praying about whether this was for us. And we as a family would drive past every morning and every afternoon on the school run and we would pray over that place. And I took them on what I was sensing in the spirit, what what God, what I felt he was saying or, um, you know, and they, I was modelling in, in some regard just my prayer life with them. So I would just pray, just cry out to the Lord and ask him if it was our site. But then when it fell over, we're all disappointed because it was like a faith journey for us and we thought we were going to get it and it fell over. But we continued to give praise for that building as a family after the fact as well. So they, I hope, have taken something with them and they heard me saying, Lord, I thought this was ours, but we bless it anyway and we know you've got the best plan for us. So, yeah, there's always opportunities to take kids on the journey and for them to experience the call of God because as a family, if you're in business, you're called together. It's just how it works. Mm. So one of the questions I've got maybe feeding into the deal that fell over. Um, and this is a topic that, uh, this is a big struggle. Um, it's normally a bigger struggle for people that have built a business, more so mm-hmm. than people starting out. But one of the struggles I see a lot of people have is like, how much of this is me and my own strength and my own skill and putting my hand to the plow? And how much of this is moving in the grace of God? Mm-hmm. And where is that balance, right? Because you're a very capable person, right? You, you know how to do business. You know how to read P&Ls. You know how to make smart decisions, deploy capital, employ mm-hmm. people. Like, you know how to do that. But at the same time, you built a massively significant business. And so I guess I just want to explore with you for a minute. Like, how do you navigate not doing it all in your own strength, but also mm-hmm. not doing what most people do, which is kind of abdicate and sit back waiting for supernatural. It, yes. To me, it's a real fine line that we're probably never on. We, we are always trying to pull ourselves back to what mm-hmm. it should be. But I guess I just want you to talk into it. As somebody who's built multiple businesses over, I'm guessing, I'm going to go with about 20 something years now. What, mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? I don't want to strive, but I also don't want to be lazy and I want to do it in collaboration with the Lord. How do you find that groove? Yeah, it's a battle. It's, you're always wrestling with it always wrestling with it and I think if you're not wrestling with it you you're probably too far one way or the other in reality and I think um, your Christian walk is the most important pivotal part of that because you're on a journey with the Lord and he should be leading you and guiding you in that and that's what I've found is important the other thing I think when it comes to stepping out if it doesn't terrify me it's probably not not that God stretch that is that's so good that is so Mm -hmm. good and that's going to fry a lot of people's noodles right if it Mm -hmm. doesn't terrify me it's probably not god i absolutely love that yeah so and and it's been time and time again if you're not stepping outside your comfort zone if there is not a faith gap there's probably you can do it in your own strength and so i i just find that that's where god meets me all the time is in my gaps in my weakness, in my brokenness, and in the in that that step 
between, you know, doing something that's probably logical to doing something that is, you know, far beyond what we could ask or imagine. And, and that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ordinary in a business journey, but there's also a lot of opposition. And even the fact that you can overcome and that you can stand, like a lot of us have been through such a hard season in these last two years. And it's like we're battle-weary. We're, we're going from one battle to the next battle to the next battle. But that is also equally as faith, you know, that gap, that faith gap. Because the truth is we would have been taken out long ago if it wasn't for the Lord. So it's not always stepping out into something new. There's sometimes it's a fact that you're still there, that you survived, that by his grace you are there and by his grace you've been able to, to look back in retrospect and say, I don't know how we've done it, but we've managed to pay all our staff, we've managed to keep our customers and we're still here. So I think, um, you know, that there's many extremes to to knowing that God is with you and knowing that you're walking with him. But when your heart is towards the Lord, he's in everything you do. He's in the ordinary and the extraordinary. And sometimes the ordinary things, those quiet words to a staff member or that small gesture is actually the extraordinary that God uses as well. So don't ever despise the small things. Love it. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about influence. Um, you, uh, I mean, obviously I know a little bit about your story and, and the way you've been able to impact your community and your greater community. And obviously you have other things that are national and international, but what role, um, what role does influence play for you, right? There's, there's many aspects to your business. There's the customers and the staff and the revenue and the giving, but I just want to isolate influence for a minute. What does that, what does that mean for you and how do you approach influence? Yeah, I guess influence is something that is the perception that another person has about you in a lot of ways. It's not it's not always driven by you. And if it is, that's sometimes dangerous that it becomes a thing of pride and arrogance. And I am always very wary of just making sure our heart's right and not using influence to pursue our own personal gain or to manipulate something that that is outside of God's plan. So uh, that that's just one thing that comes to mind. But the other thing is, is knowing that influence comes out of the favour that God has on you and also the calling and the fact that he has gifted you and um, you seem very successful to people. And... I guess you you are heard or seen because of that. But I think walking with that in humility is really important as Christians and treating it in a way to know that your influence is there to serve and your influence is there to, to reflect something of Christ. And I think that's the danger as Christians in business is as we succeed and Deuteronomy 8 is just so foundational for me that says, you know, once you've succeeded, once you've been in the land, once everything's going well for you, never forget that this, that I am the one, I, the Lord is the one that has given you the ability to produce wealth. So I guess I don't think too much about influence, but I guess also um, in my tenacity, you can use influence uh, to benefit your cause and the kingdom's cause as well. So I think um, as Christians, we can also be in this danger of false humility as well and not standing in our rightful place. So I know that's almost sounding like opposites, but I've been challenged at times to step out into the business sphere more you know into different you know industry groups or whatever uh, might be the Lord showing you to be involved in into the community um, I do quite a lot of um, different sort of voluntary type roles with my my business gift which I see as part of being who I am in the community 
in terms of helping out with other things. So um, I don't know whether that totally answered it, but I think we just need to be careful uh, that it's not a prideful thing that we use our influence for, but that the, the goal, the, the beauty of the kingdom and the service of the kingdom of being a servant-hearted leader is our opportunity when it comes to, to being a, a Christian that is successful in business. So you did answer the question. You answered it incredibly humbly. And that, that answer has come from 20 years of trials that has refined you to the point where you can answer it like that. But I also know that there's a whole bunch of fruit that you didn't talk about, right? So like just in your region of Toowoomba, you know, being able to facilitate or play a large role in a very significant like Christian you know, Easter music event, but even just like bringing all the pastors together and having that unity across the city and, and then picking initiatives and, and making the city better. You, you and your family have played a significant part in that. And, and those things have opened up because... Well, one, you're humble enough that you can step into them. Two, your business has prospered enough that you can fund projects. Talk into some of those things that you have actually, by the grace of God, been able to achieve in your community. Yeah, so it's been just an absolute joy to be able to see the ability to impact uh, the wider the wider community in in various areas. So. What I've found, it's become very, very clear to me as the journeys unfolded that the the word that the Lord spoke over me and the, the thing that, um, and also uh, this is a generational business over my family as well. So that foundational word, like that why for why we're in business has been the cause that we've tended to fund and to run with. So for me, the cause that I felt the Lord speak to us, that um, the, the business call on me was there to see the, the breaking of the fatherlessness in our nation. So therefore, I have been very motivated to involve myself in the wider community to see fatherlessness broken. So um, it, one of the areas that... Um, we're particularly involved in is is areas that touch on the pro-life message or the pro-life work that's out there because that's the fatherless at its worst in some regard that there's voiceless unborn children that are um, in desperate need of the father's love so you know um I chair an organisation called Emily's Voice and we've been actively involved in that, but there's been an organisation called Eva's Place, which is a practical help centre that we love to support. But we've also been involved in City Women Toowoomba, which is reaching out to the girls in the community, foster care in the community, providing backpacks for, for the foster, kids in foster care, but also... Um, We've got dogs going into the hospitals and going into um, the courthouse and all of these um, different initiatives that are there reaching the broken and reaching the fatherless and trying to connect children with the, the, the love of, uh, you know, the heavenly father, number one, but also connected in safety in our community. So there's lots of different initiatives that come out of that. Uh, the other key thing has been unity in the body of Christ, and that was very much my parents' mantra. And what has come to be realised in that is that's sort of like the prerequisite, that unity in the body of Christ is what flows all these good works, um, what these good works flow from. So, yeah, we, we're just, um, it's a privilege, it's an honour that uh, when you know, business is going well. And even when it's not going well, um, there's always something that you can do or give. And I think that's another trap as business people. We think that when we're successful, we'll start to support what our cause is or our mission is. And um, I've never experienced that. What I've experienced is that in our lack, we've supported and out of that, the prosperity needs to come to fund what God's bringing across your path. So um, I, I want to encourage anyone today that might be feeling a sense of call for a certain cause, but feeling like they don't have means to do that, perhaps test the Lord in this and start to step out 
into that cause and be amazed at where God takes you. I mean, that's that's a beautiful call to arms. And and I know enough about you to know that you just completely played down the good works that you do, which I wouldn't expect any less from you. I guess I just want the listeners to know that you're listening to somebody, uh, you know, a family here who who would be in the top handful of givers in Australia. And, and, uh, and I think that's a significant thing for us to pick up. I mean, Katrina's not going to say it, but I'll say it. The family are one of a handful of the top biggest givers in Australia. And, and so, you know, the, the bit that I want to draw out of that is, you know, Katrina, you must be loving it, right? You've got this, biz- this business that does tens of millions of dollars. You must have you must have um, Bentleys, Ferraris, Rolls Royce, Rolex watches. You must smoke the best cigars. You eat at the fanciest restaurants. Um, and you must love it every month, just trying to skim as much money off this business as you can for your own self-gain. Is that how it works? I think they'll ruin us. <laughs> Look, I, I'm, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, just a, a simple life, we're blessed. We're very blessed very blessed as a family but um you know earthly things you know clutter our lives and you know they're not important they're just not important we we've got to stay focused on the goal and focused on what god's doing and i guess that's the point i want to pick up on because i know your motivation mm-hmm. you know you, you you are you're only doing this so that you can advance the kingdom like, yes. I mean, I've been to your place, right? So I know, I, I know I've been in your car. It, it, it's just a wonderful car for the job you do, but it's, it, it's just a car for the job you do, right? It's, you know, and, um, and, and I guess I'm, I'm laboring the point because I want our listeners to know that this is not some say the right thing, but really means something else behind closed doors. You know, this is, you live very humbly, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis so that you can give in good times and bad. And, you know, and, and I know the story where you actually said to your dad one day, hey, you're in the way, you're not giving enough money, I need to take over, build a bigger business because we need to start giving more money away. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the, you know, the bit that I want to pick up for our listeners is if, when you understand that bit and then you understand the rate of growth and the favor of God and the deals that do come off, you can't separate them. Katrina and her family's motivation is to see the kingdom advance and fund and, and, and influence and that's her number one motivation. And because of that, the supernatural increase, yeah, there's, there's there's fights and dramas, but the supernatural increase is you know is is the Lord's doing, and and that's why I wanted to have you on, Katrina, because it's a it's an absolute test case of what we're talking about here. Um, now picking up on something else, right? You're obviously a, a Christian woman in business, and I can't pretend to know what that's like. I have a <laughs> wife, but um, but but she's not in business like you know like you are every day, and so I just want to kind of address. That we have some stereotypes across the faith, right? And they're probably mostly bad, but may, maybe let's just case some good and some are bad. But, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the woman had a role in, in, in ministry and it was to bake the food and probably play the piano so the husband could preach. I mean, that was, that was really all they were let out for. And obviously we, we, we've rightly come a long way from there to today. But I guess, do you still come up against that stereotype? Like, you, but, but, but aren't you supposed to be raising kids? And, and the answer could be no. I, I, don't, I don't have a horse in this race. I'm just trying to explore this and kind of go, you know, is there a, is there a restriction? Is there a stereotype? Is there a battle for you that's, that, that possibly I wouldn't have by being a bloke um, that you have to deal with every day? And if there is, I want to unpack it because we have a lot of women in business that listen to this and I would like to find some sort of encouragement for them. So what's that experience been like for you? I haven't found it to be particularly bad, but I'm not saying that others don't have that struggle out there, but I am in what has been traditionally fairly male-dominated industry, in the agricultural industry. It is not uncommon for me to be the only female in a room it's not uncommon for me but, to but be. But does that does it actually open doors for you? Like, like, because they don't know how to handle it, right? So then, possibly <laughs> they might go. All right. Well, you know, like I guess I'm. I'm just wondering. Like, <clears throat> is it a good thing from time to time? 
I think sometimes there has been new opportunities. So there's been a lot of initiatives trying to advance females in agriculture, for example, and females in business. So almost I feel it's reverse discrimination in that because I'm a female, I'm asked to sit on a board or because I'm a female, I'm given an opportunity to, you know, participate in something. So um, I guess uh, it's probably we've, we're in a culture that's more aware of women and trying to make space for them. But as for me, you know, I don't want to be on a board because I'm a female. I want to be on board because I'm the right person for that and I feel called to it and it's something that I connect with. So I've turned down board positions because it's just ticking a female box as well. And the other thing is to understand what feminism is and, and where that's come from as well. Like I think um, women have a purpose in the Bible and women have a purpose in um, God's plan and all of the rest, but feminism is not from God either. And I'm far from a feminist. I, I think it's evil, the agenda is evil, and feminism is about pulling down men. And we're meant to be, we're meant to be together and different. And, and the fact that we are different and operate different means that we can accomplish much. So I think sometimes as women, we need to just realise that um, we don't have to prove ourselves, we just have to be ourselves and just get on with it. Just be who God's called us to be. Don't compete. Don't try to be like a bloke. Don't try to talk like the men. Don't try to even, you know, participate in, in a business setting like a man. Um, you know, a little bit of softness or a, a little bit of grace or um, the, the gifts that we have as women can be just what's needed in that setting. Quite often I'll find that my perspective will open up a whole new discussion that maybe wasn't considered. So, um, yeah, I think we should, uh, I wear pink. I like pink. <laughs> I wear it proudly. And, um, you know, um, that doesn't mean that we're better than men. It just means that we're different and we're called to journey together. Yeah. So if there's... Um there's a female entrepreneur listening right now and that's not her experience. She's getting pushed back at home or, you know, um, you know, at church. I mean, I've heard the stories, people at church saying to women, you know, you, sh you should lay down your business for the sake of raising kids or, you know, like your husband or whatever. And we all have to navigate multiple facets of our life. But what would you say to a woman who's got a desire on her heart to run a business, you know, to, to be in the marketplace, but is getting a bit of pushback? What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And even just this, uh, a few days ago, I was in a meeting in Toowoomba, which was gathering different people from around the nation um, to talk about uh, studying initiatives to benefit the girls in their city and the women in their city. And there was a lot of discussion about that, that the church stereotype on women and also on women and career as well. And I think also that silencing the contribution inside the church, it still does occur at times. Something I think you need to walk with wisdom, but know that that God has a purpose and a plan for you. He created us male and female for a reason. And even if the men in your life are not, exactly releasing or seeing you as who you are god sees you as to who you are and that's who you need to come in line with and that's who you need to draw your strength and your meaning and your purpose from so i know that's really difficult um, i think getting the right people around you those that will support you is really important us mums in business getting the people around to support our home and our family is vital because that if I'm going to feel stressed, the first place I will always feel stressed is in my home. It won't be in my business. I will carry the immense amount of pressure and stress in my business and I'll go home and the washing up will stress me or the, all the ironing will stress me or something on the home front, like trying to get a kid to something that's important to them. So I think um, we need to equip ourselves and come beside 
get like-minded people or even employ the support around us as well. So if the home uh, for a woman that, um, you know, there's that tension in a home between being a career person or, or working and the needs of the children are a problem for you, I think you would need to be unpacking that and looking at what the most important thing is. So for me, the washing and the ironing are not the most important thing for me when I'm at home. The most important for me thing for me when I'm at home is to be a wife and a mother. So if there's pressure on you and you're trying to do it both, you know, run a business and, and do the home thing and there's a lot of traditional you on the home, I would be suggesting that you need to think about maximising your ability to be a good wife and mother and to look for strategies to look after the the domestic duties, we should call it. Um, and so in that traditional relationship, perhaps the, the man is not going to, the, the father is not going to be as supportive in the home. That's where I'd be saying, okay, Lord, if you've called me to this, where is my support going to come to? Because the Lord equips us. If, if he's called us, he equips us and he gives us the strategy and the ability to do what he's called us to be. And um, I think we just need to, take away the stereotypes even in our own mind as to who we are and what we are good at and what we can achieve realistically. Love it. Such a good answer and I'm sure a huge encouragement for those listening who <clears throat> are facing something like that. Um, we're going to finish up in a minute, but I, I kind of got a bit of a story and it's your story that I want to relay to you and then tie it into, a, I guess, a final question. I remember... And I'm not sure if you told me this or your dad did around the fireplace one night or something, but it's, it's, it goes something like this. You were 24 years old, um, probably just finished uni or something. I, I don't know that bit. And, uh, and it was something like a Saturday morning. Forgive me for not knowing exactly the details, but it was something like a Saturday morning and, um, and your dad goes down to the local corner store to buy a paper or something and he comes back and he says, hey, Katrina. I've just bought the local feedlot. Put your boots on. You start there Monday morning. So, um, is that is it? Was it something like that? That it? That's that. Yeah, um, I was twenty years old. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I was twenty years old. I'd done. Uh, I was studying still a bachelor of business externally, and I just done two years. So between eight, I left school and I just done a two-year internship with one of the managers in one of the businesses that we owned, and that was away from my my parents. So it was in another town, and I felt the Lord call me back to work with my family because I had to. There was more for me to learn of my my mum and my dad and to go and serve them. So we arranged for me to come back, uh, replace me in that business, and I came back. And I was going to be my father's personal assistant, in fact. And that lasted for maybe, I don't know, a day or two, <laughs> if that, because, Dad, yeah, he disappeared. He was down, um, down the street. He went to buy a silo, actually, a grain silo or a guy that he knew down the street, and he ended up buying the entire feed mill and uh, there were many silos there and it was quite a rundown old stock feed mill and that's how the feed mill was born. So what happened was um, Dad bought this old rundown feed mill and he was trying to put some staff in it and get it set up and it kept falling through and he had this guy that was meant to know how to run a business and set it up and, um, you know, he didn't last, if nothing, didn't last and um, he quit before he even started. And that was the day Dad came home and he said, oh, you know, this fellow just quit. Uh, tomorrow, take your computer over there and see if you can start a business. And that's what I did. So I, I went over and um, I didn't know the first thing about feed or stock feed, grain, any of those things. Like I remember having these charts on the wall, learning how to, you know, the different descriptions of pigs, the different the different breeds of pigs because we're feeding a lot of pigs at the time <laughs> and you know I just had to learn um, I had to learn feed nutrition I had to learn well I had to start a chart of accounts in the business like nothing was set up we we had to start from scratch and, and that business has become a you've moved since then right to a different location I've been to the new mm -hmm. location it is it is first class it's amazing 
Um, and, um, and then that's gone on to be the chicken abattoir and that's gone on to be the distribution business. But I guess going back to the very beginning, um, we've got a bunch of people who are like startup world that would listen to the show. So we just kind of go, I want to go, okay, go back to that story, which is why I told it. What are three things that you could maybe teach or, 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 or speak into, um, in that really early startup stage that you would say would be wisdom for somebody that's also starting out? Yeah. Uh, so firstly, you have to work hard. I worked really big hours. So I'd go there early in the morning and I would go home at dark. You, you just have to you just have to put yourself into it. The second thing, you were the solution to everything. <laughs> so you've got to make your way forward. You can't just expect that somebody else is going to come and just put the pieces together. So you had to be the problem solver. You had to, if there was a lack or something that was needed, I had to be that solution. And so I made mistakes along the way, but I had to get in there and do that. And because of the nature of the business, I didn't have the skills to do all of the work in that business. I had uh, an employee that was fixing the feed mill up that was formerly used to work in that site. So um, he came on board. So you've got to start to build your team as well, but understand your team and understand what they need. So he was obviously the one that was skilled and able to help me get to it, but he still needed leading. I mean, here I am, a 20-year-old girl, but he still needed direction. He needed to know what the objectives were, whether we were going to do the easy quick fix or whether we were going to do the bigger picture fix, you know, all of those type of things. So um, they're the first three things that come to mind. I love it. Super practical. Hey, Katrina, it's been a real delight hanging out with you. And, uh, and I know people will be taking so much from what you said. And of course, you know, this is distributed on, on YouTube and, and, and iTunes and Google and Spotify and so forth. And people can listen to it more than once, right? That's the beauty of recording these. And I know you've got a large business and it's, it demands a lot of your time and you've given us some, so thank you. Um, one of the small ways that we might be able to help you is to buy more of the products that we might be able to find on our shelves. Um, what would we be able to find and where would we find it? Sure. Yeah, well, Country Heritage Feeds has certified organic stock feeds. So if anyone's got chooks, we can feed your chooks. So our website's organicstockfeed.com. We'd love to have a chat to you about that. But we also do organic chicken meat, and that's available in multiple Coles stores, but not all Coles stores because they can be a little bit selective where they range. But if you are looking for organic chicken, Inglewood Organic brand is ranged by Coles, and just by requesting it by in your local store with your meat manager could actually get us ranged into an extra Coles store. So that's always helpful. Or if you, of course, see it on the supermarket, picking it up is uh, picking up a product that is going to ultimately support a kingdom cause. So, um, yeah, we, we really appreciate all that uh, do support our business and uh, purchase Inglewood Organic Chicken. Well, we'll put, the, we'll put some handles and some links in, inside the description and, um, you know, maybe that's something we can go, go and do. Just go to Coles and say, hey, listen, I noticed you don't stock this Inglewood organic chicken. Can you do that for me? And whether, whether they do or don't, you know, that, that, that information will feed up the head office. They place bigger orders. You make more money. You can do more good work. So, yeah, hey, thank, th you. thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a real delight to chat with you. And I know our listeners got heaps from today. I look forward to seeing you and Adrian really soon. Thanks, Wes. Really appreciate all you do too.